and it turns red. Hello, hello. Live, 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 live. Come on, red button. There we go. We're live. Okay, Psalm 119, verses 1 through 8. 1 through 8, we're Aleph, we're starting all over again. Beginning of the uh, alphabet. Aleph, bet. Ow. Okay. Aleph, which is strong power leader. The ox head. Ox head. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and keep him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong. Walk in his ways. They have laid down, you have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake Okay, we have, uh, let's start in prayer. We have uh, somebody that emailed me today and asked, please pray for somebody named Steve, who has stage 3 colon cancer, yes. and her son's, uh, it's her son's friend, and he is not saved. And then Darla, who specifically asked it for us to pray for uh, our Christmas boxes so that the, the children would be blessed and that maybe uh, the tracks that were put in them would lead somebody to Christ. So we'll do that. Hey, Tom, how are you? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to pray for these people and, uh, of course, for all the others that are struggling with their own uh, trials. We have um, Sandy, who's in the church, who will probably be here in a few minutes, and uh, we pray that she continues to get over her uh, her cancer, and she's looking very good, and we thank you for that, and we pray for Lothar in Germany, and of course for Steve, who I mentioned a moment ago, and um, also for the Christmas boxes that we're putting together, Lord, that uh, they would be something that would bless those children and uh, that would lead them to an understanding of who Christ is. Even if they're too young to understand the tracks, maybe the parents will pick those up and, and read them and, and know that uh, there is a, a Lord out there that's beyond a box of toys, but is is the greatest gift of all. Lord, thank you for this time that we have to share in your word and uh, the book of Romans. What a joy it is, what a pleasure it is, and we thank you for it. Lord God, we praise you, we love you, we exalt you, and we do it in mm -hmm. Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. 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 I move that we take Christmas and move it into September, October. Okay, we're going to do that. I like that. Um, Charlie, speaking of that, yes. Samaritan's Purse does put in material. Oh, they do? In all their boxes. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Oh, good. Absolutely. I, well, I hope they don't take out what we put in there. I don't know. Well, but it's, it's probably in the right language. Well, I'm sure, but even if not, I, I, everywhere I've been in the world, somebody in a town speaks English, even in the remotest parts of the jungle that I've been to. So we'll hope, but um, yeah. I, I don't. I didn't know if you guys did that, but I put a track, and I told Hedico, don't send those out without a track yeah. in it. So. Yeah, but... They know what they're doing. Oh, well, that's right. Yeah, yeah. They, they do. They have Bible study lesson books for the children. Oh, good. Good. I'm glad that they're doing I had no idea. Mm -hmm. You know, they asked, let's do boxes. And so, um, and we have um, uh, no Bible class next Thursday. It's, it's Thanksgiving Day, so we're not going to have any Bible class next Thursday. So I want to make sure people online know that. And then third, um, uh, we have... Um, what was I just thinking? We have no Bible class next Thursday, and then there was something I was thinking about today, and I can't remember what it was. Oh, I know what it was, is that last week, the online streaming failed in the last 10 or 15 minutes of the class, right when we got to the canons on the Council of Trent. You all heard that. 
Um, I would suggest to anybody online that did not hear that, um, if they want, I can email them to them or just go online and type in Canons of Council of Trent and uh, you can read them. And I highlighted about nine of them, which actually would say that you, if you believe that Jesus is sufficient for your salvation, are, according to the Catholic Church, anathema. You're to be cut off from, uh, you know, fellowship. And uh, I, I read each one of them. Uh, of those nine, they would implicate Paul as being anathema. He'd be a, a, an apostate person. And one of them actually would implicate Jesus. And so uh, I want you to know that it did cut off a little early, and that was a bug in the system. And hopefully that's taken care of. And then finally, before we get into verse 2-7, we're going to be in Romans 2-7 today. I have something that I want to say. There is a friend of mine, and Pat's not here right now, which is too bad because um, she uh, was right across the road from her um, on uh, where Pat lives on Hawthorne. A lady lived right across the road from her, and uh, I grew up knowing her, and she attends the Superior Word online. Hi, Karen. And today is her birthday. Oh, and so I wanted to wish her a happy, happy birthday when I went around the States in 2010. She allowed me to stay in her house, but... It wasn't her house. She has a couple houses, and one of them was, it's a library. She has just books everywhere in there, and she lives in one house, and she said, you can stay in this house, and it was just this little uh, little thing out on the bayou, and uh, so uh, anyway, she's, mm -hmm. she's a wonderful person, lived here for years, moved back to um, um, Louisiana, and there she is, and she's attending online having a birthday today, which I wouldn't spend my birthday looking at this mug, but... That's what she said she was going to be doing. Do you know, so, do you Pat, know how old she is? Uh, she I do, and I'm not going to tell you yeah, on oh, well, what. I, because I will see Pat probably. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, I'll let Pat know too, but I don't want to say her age right now. Um, uh, but I can tell you that she is the mother of a girl I dated. So that'll give you her her uh, <laughs> general, uh, uh, her approximate age. Yes, if anybody knows Twink here in Sarasota, Twinkle, um, that was oh. my, 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 we were just the best of friends for many, many years. And we still are. We're still great friends. But. We just, you know, it was one of those things that uh, uh, she, uh, she's her mother, and she is a really special person. Yes, sir? She's as old as her tongue, a little bit older than her teeth. That's right. She's as old as her tongue and a little bit older than her teeth. That's exactly right, and how true that is. Okay, so we're in Romans, and we're in chapter 2, and starting in verse number 7. Okay, to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will get eternal life. Okay, let me read that one from the New King James 2, and I'm in Revelation. It always helps to be in the right R book, um, Romans 2, 7, because I think this one reads a little different. Eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, immortality. You start on verse 6, um, beginning of the sentence. Well, we, we read that one last week. I know. And, okay, I will. Who will render it, it, uh, to each one according to his deeds. Eternal life to those who by patient continuance and doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality. Okay, so uh, here are my thoughts on this. Uh, and if you didn't hear my thoughts on verse 2, 6, I'll just real quickly sum it up. Who will render to each one according to his deeds? And then, verse 7, um, eternal life. I, 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 I'm probably going to repeat it in my thoughts. So if I don't, then I'll, I'll go back and I'll tell you what I said last week in case somebody's coming on that didn't hear what I said. As noted in verse 6, care, yes, I'm going to, needs to be taken when evaluating this train of thought from Paul. If this verse, which is a part of a greater whole, is quoted as a standalone, then of course one would come to the conclusion that, ah, eternal life, yes, eternal life is based on works. 
This is contrary to the scope and reality of Scripture because after salvation, many have fallen, even such greats as Peter and Paul. Peter in Galatians 2, 11, 16 was not straightforward about the truth of the gospel. In essence, he failed to endure. Paul admitted his failing as well. He said, who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? We are bound by our human limitations, even after salvation and therefore... If it were up to us to receive eternal life, if it were up to us, something that we had to do, then we would go through a terrible cycle of uncertainty as our relationship with God changed back and forth, saved, unsaved, saved, unsaved, saved, unsaved, and then hopefully saved before you kick the bucket, right? I get, I can't tell you how many emails I get throughout the year on exactly this subject. People that have been taught that you can lose your salvation and it goes on, and they're, they're neurotics. They are neurotic people, and I will tell you this much, is that although they're not Christian, they're under the umbrella of Christianity for all, um, what do you call it, uh, surveys and all uh, numbers and is the Jehovah's Witnesses. And they have the highest rate of suicide of any hmm. supposed denomination in Christianity, and that's because they have to work their way to heaven. They're never sure if they're going to make it up there, and they're neurotic. And this is what I get from people all the time. And I also will get people that I will tell them about this, and then they'll go back to their church, and their church will fill them with more incorrect doctrine, and then they have to come back to me, and it's a repetitive cycle of, am I saved? Are you sure you're right on this? Listen, either God is telling the truth when he says he's given you this guarantee, or he's not. It's calling into question whether God is truthful or not to say, I can lose my salvation. Because he says that he seals you with the Holy Spirit, and it also says in Romans 10, 9 through 10, which will be in a couple more weeks, will be there, is that if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. It doesn't say that you might be saved. It doesn't say that you have to keep working your way to heaven. It doesn't say somebody sent me something from what's called Primitive Baptist Church today, and he asked about their doctrine, and uh, one of the things in there um, that they said, and I'm, I'm going to misquote it, but he said that um, good works are not something for salvation. They are the confirmation of salvation. And I, I said that is incorrect. The confirmation of salvation is the sealing of the Holy Spirit. And the confirmation of salvation is what it says in the Bible of how you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And it says when you believe, you are granted the Holy Spirit, which is a guarantee. So enough of that. You understand that in this church, we preach eternal salvation because that is what the Bible teaches. There are verses that seem contrary to that when taken out of context. And there are things that seem contrary to that that are taken not only out of context, but out of dispensational context. In other words, things Jesus says to the people under the law, etc. You will not lose your salvation if you've called on Jesus. It will not happen. Okay? Um, uh, where was I? Saved, unsaved. Okay, what a neurotic bunch who would call themselves Christians. And how pitiful. Woe to the one who happened to err prior to his final call home, right? I knew you and then I never knew you. So you're living your whole life perfectly for the Lord, which is impossible, but that's what you're doing. You're, you're working your way to heaven, and then the day before you get run over in a car accident, you do something really stupid, and the Lord says, I never knew you. It doesn't happen that way. And especially that one verse where he says, I never knew you, has nothing to do with saved people. That's taken from Jesus speaking to Israel under the law about a completely different subject, but that's often used by people. So... Um, uh, let's see here. The great Bible scholar Albert Barnes erringly states this, and Barnes is one of my favorite commentators. I've read his entire commentary on the New Testament, which is about that thick. It's giant in its minuscule writing. 
literally you have to have glasses plus a magnifying glass for the copy I have. Well, you've seen it. It's, it, it's, it's a huge volume. But he says, um, nor has God ever promised eternal life to people unless they so persevere in a life of holiness as to show that this is their character. Totally contrary to scripture. And he corrects himself elsewhere in his writings, but for him to write that is, is almost shocking. This is incorrect, as is evidenced by 2 Peter 1, 1 through 9, which is, although not written to Christians within the church age, he gives you a logical defense of eternal salvation, which culminates in verse 9. Okay, I'm, we'll go there, but I want to read you this comment first. It says, um, uh, in verse 1, Peter states that those he is addressing have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of God, our and Savior Jesus Christ. We have a like precious faith with the, the people that are saved. In other words, they are saved believers. He then explains that that can mean for the called soul, and what that can mean for the called soul in verses 3 and 4. However, in verses 5 through 8, he states what the individual should do, and which is what Paul is referring to in today's verse in uh, Romans 2.7. If one fails to carefully follow what is God's intent and desire for his saved children, the result is verse 9. And like I said, I'm going to take you there in just a second, but there's something I want to do before. Okay, got that. And um, uh, so I'm going to, rather than read you the last part of my commentary, I'm going to take you to 2 Peter 1, verse 9. 2 Peter is way towards the end of the Bible. It's after James, and then you've got 1 Peter and then 2 Peter. And um, right before you get to the little books of John, 2 Peter, we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to read it, and you're going to see a logical defense for eternal salvation. So much so that when you read it, you say, my goodness, okay? Um, but there were also false prophets among the people. I'm sorry, I'm in 2 Peter 2. 2 Peter 1, verse 9, uh, 1 through 9. 2 Peter 2, 1 through 9. Yes, um, hang on a second. Where am I? 2 Peter 2. 2 Peter 1, 1 through 9. I keep, ah, Charlie. 2 Peter 1, 1 through 9. All right. Um, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of God our Savior, Jesus Christ. Like precious faith. You have saving faith just like they do. Verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. He's saying, you have grace, you have peace, now grow in the knowledge of God. Where are you going to get that knowledge from? This is it. Hi, Sandy. Um, you're going to get that knowledge from here. This is where you get your knowledge of God. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Okay, where are we getting that knowledge of life and godliness? From the Bible, right? Um, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. We do not get knowledge of Jesus from any other source. We do not get it from any other place. If we get it from dreams and visions, that would be contrary to what the Bible says about those things. We don't get our knowledge of Jesus from external sources. We get it from the Bible, from the writings of the apostles, which ended with the word amen on the book of Revelation. That's the apostolic age. It ended when John wrote amen. Okay, um, verse 3, as his divine power has give, given to us, I read that, uh, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue for by which we have been given uh, to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. The promises are recorded in the word. You grow in the knowledge of those things so that you're excited about the fact that you are going to become a partaker in the divine nature. That means you're, 
when we behold him, we shall be like him. All right? So he's saying that someday we will partake of the divine nature. That does not mean that we will be divine. That means we will be eternal beings. We will be beings that will never die again, etc., etc., okay? We don't become gods like the Mormons say. All right. Um, uh, the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. When we are glorified, we will no longer have these corrupt desires. We will no longer have the corruption of the flesh, etc., etc., going on. Um, uh, where was I? Verse 5. But also for this very reason, for the fact that we will be glorified, that we will be in the state and we have that hope in us now. For this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. What is it that saves you? Faith. Faith, it is grace through faith that saves you. You have faith, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, adding to your faith, virtue or goodness, yes. All right? So you, you're going to add virtue into that or goodness. After goodness, you uh, add to it knowledge. To knowledge, you, you've learned what to do from the word, now apply it. Self-control. Okay, so you've gone from, um, where was I, faith to virtue to knowledge to self-control. And from self-control, you've learned to control your passions to perseverance. You persevere in controlling them. You don't just say, okay, I've got this under control and now I'm going to go back and do what I used to do. You persevere in it. Okay, and then he says after that, um, uh, perseverance to perseverance godliness. You've learned self-control. You've learned to persevere in self-control and now you grow in godliness. You become like Christ. You'll never be like Christ in this life, but you are becoming Christ-like. You're learning to be holy. All right? And then he says to godliness, surprisingly, it seems like a step down. It's not brotherly kindness. Okay? You're now able to take your godliness, your attitude, which you have, and apply it to the fellow Christians around you. Something which is exceedingly hard to do. If anybody here knows another Christian that you sit in church with, you have differences with them. You have variances with them. That's why people leave churches all the time. It's over little things, right? But if we can overcome those by brotherly uh, kindness, then we will be developed as a mature Christian and finally from brotherly kindness to love. Okay, you're not just externally kind to somebody. You actually learn to love them. You might not like them, but you love them, okay? That is what we are to do. We're to develop based on what he said. You have the faith. Now go learn the scriptures. Learn about Christ and grow in these areas. And now what does he say in verse 8? For if you, if these things are yours, if you do the things that he just said to you, adding this to this to this to this, and abound, you let, it, you, you let it live in you, okay? You will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. None of those things are going to happen unless you learn the knowledge. And if you learn the knowledge, then you will be fruitful if you do these things. And then what does he say in verse 9? He says, For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten. This is how far you can get away from Christ and still be saved and have forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. There are people that have actually forgotten they were saved. Mm -hmm. They made a profession down at the... Uh, didn't apply it to their lives. Christ never forgot their salvation. He sealed them with the Holy Spirit. It is a guarantee, and he will never take it away. Let God be true and every man a liar. And he says that there are people that have forgotten that they are saved. They have completely walked away from the faith, have no knowledge that they were even saved, but Christ saved them, and he is faithful to the end. So apply these things. That's why we come to Bible classes in particular. Sermons are a different type of thing. You get knowledge, but you don't get instruction so much. It's kind of a one-way thing, whereas this is more a, a processing thing in Bible classes. This is where you get doctrine, is from this word. 
The Lord tells us this because he wants us to live lives that are glorifying of him. And secondly, to live lives that don't harm ourselves. If we don't apply these things to our life, who is going to suffer? The Lord isn't, right? He's sitting up on his throne, but he's going to let us suffer. What does it say in 1 Corinthians 5 about the guy that's conducting himself in sexual immorality? Hand him, that's right, hand him over to Satan that his uh, uh, flesh. flesh may be uh, destroyed, but his spirit saved on the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, this guy is doing something that's contrary to right living. His flesh is going to be destroyed through it. You know, and I think about, I'm watching something right now, and I'll announce this during a prophecy update um, so that uh, people know to watch this if they can handle it. it, it it's brutal. It's about the uh, Einsatzengruppen, I think is what it is. It's the Germans that, that actually did the killing of the Jews. And they go through Lithuania, and they go through uh, you know, Odessa, they go through Germany, and all of these places, and they show pictures of what happened. And they, it, it, it's unbelievable. And the thing I think about, the thing I think about is that what happens when a person or an animal, when anything dies? What's the first thing that happens? Well, I mean, I'm talking about after they've died. What what happens to the body immediately? It immediately begins. That's right. It immediately begins to get corrupt. Within no time at all, it is corrupt. The brain, if it's not uh, brought back to life within six minutes, there's permanent damage to it. The body immediately. And what does that tell you about us? We are utterly corrupt. Not only in our souls, in our thoughts, and what we do, but in our bodies. And that's not a natural state. The Lord intended for Adam to live forever. Okay? The point I'm making is going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Hand him over to Satan so that his flesh may be destroyed, but his spirit saved in the day of Christ Jesus. His body is corrupt. And as he acts corruptly, his body is going to corrupt more. And then he's going to die, and his body is going to go into a complete state of corruption. But it didn't have to be that way. He could have lived a life of holiness. It doesn't mean he's not going to die and that body isn't going to get corrupt, but the body is not going to corrupt in the way that it would if otherwise. If you go back to drinking, your liver's going to go, your body's going to decay, your teeth are going to fall out. All of the things that happen to a human body will happen when he, a person is handed over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. It doesn't need to be that way. And Peter is admonishing us to not let that happen in 2 Peter 1, 1 through 9. So remember that verse, and if somebody ever says, oh, you, you, can't, you can lose your salvation, say, you know what, you can't. And this is a perfect, one of many, many verses, but it's a perfect verse that shows you you can't. You can actually forget you were saved, and you're still saved. Yes, sir? Both Job and David said salvation is of the Lord. Of, of, and Jonah, Jonah chapter I mean, 1. Uh, yeah. Jonah. Yes. Uh, no, uh, Job said that in... in oh, I'm sure he did too. Yeah. But I know Jonah did. It's yeah. a salvation is of the Lord. Of the Lord, yeah. yeah. And he said, he has become my light and my salvation. Salvation, he has become. He has yeah. become my yeah. salvation. Yeah. It's not up to us. To re restore the joy of, of my salvation. salvation. No, or yeah, your I, salvation. Yeah. That's right. Thy salvation. <laughs> so it, that's right. It is not up to us. It is the Lord who saves. It is the Lord that glorifies in our salvation despite ourselves. So... Uh, that that's where we're at with that. I hope that everybody will remember that because I don't. I it, it's not that I care that people email me again and again about that issue, but I don't want people to struggle with that issue. They shouldn't have to be pulling at their face and saying, "Oh, am I going to?" You know, don't do that. You are saved, and Christ will not let His hand go from you. 
Now, I tell people all the time, I'm holding on to Christ by a thread some days. And he's holding on to me with both arms completely wrapped around me. And that's go. Yes. What is that verse that says the person that comes to him, he, he will in no wise cast them out? That's right. He will I never mean, he cast won't them turn out. Away. If a person comes to God and asks him to save him, then. It is done. It's done. It's a done deal. Yes, sir. Well, uh, I know there's people who get off from John MacArthur and different ones, but. Lordship Salvation. One, and, no, and just enlighten on this one now. Also, sometimes we run into people who have a head knowledge. Yes. Their heart's far from them. Yes. Right. Romans uh, 10 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth. Right. The uh, intellectual thing, and confess, uh, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. That's and right. They said that distance there. Some people have a head knowledge, but the heart's not. Oh, yes. Mean, it's called the 14 inch conversion. Yeah. Lots of. There's a lot of people who have the intellect, but they're no more saved than. That's a, right. The, 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 the professors in colleges <laughs> all over America that have spent their whole life getting theology degrees. They know the Bible far better than I ever will, and it's never left their brain. They've never believed in their heart that God raised him from the dead. They're, it, they're as dead now as the day they were born, and they need that 14-inch conversion. So those are two that's, they must be in, in sync, right? they, they have to be in sync. That's right. You have to call on Lord, on the Lord, and they haven't done it. It's a great it. miracle they, of God. Unreal. Who can understand the working of the Who, Holy Spirit? That's right. But you know what? Some people just, they, they just, they want the show, they want the money that comes with, and I don't think a theology professor makes that much money, but they get status, they get prestige, and they lead people right. To, well, you saw that one girl's, uh, you know, uh, thing that I evaluated for. So it's maddening. It's maddening that there are people that devote their lives to teaching theology that don't care doodly squat about sound theology. So, um, oh, I've got to go back to my notes now. 2 Peter 1, 9, please remember uh, 2 Peter 1, 1 through 9. Remember those verses. And um, uh, last he says, once again, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted. He didn't go, if you, you uh, make a commitment to being a sports buff, right? And you never follow the sports, but you say, oh, I really love this team. That's a short-sighted person. He doesn't know if they won yesterday or not, but he wears their hat all the time. Who would do that? They devote their lives. To, I know every player that ever played on this team, and I know the color of the jersey when it was changed to, from purple to pink, and I, they know everything about them. They're not short-sighted about their, their passion, which is sports, but they're short-sighted about the Lord. They don't want to know his word. They want to get into goofy stuff. They want to read crazy websites, and they want to you know, look at uh, uh, signs in the heavens. And I, I am fully convinced We've gone through how many signs in the heavens since we started these prophecy updates? 150. The blood moons. We've had the uh, uh, the super moon a day ago, which was um, uh, the last one was in 1948 when Israel was established, and so that's a sign. And they go through all of these things again and again. A sign in the heavens will be known that it was a sign after it happens, not before. We're not going to know these things. They are for signs and for seasons. The Lord has determined the seasons, and when the seasons are revealed, the sign will be revealed. And we he don't said need to be faithful to the end too. That's so right. Be faithful to the end. We the don't end. need to worry about all of that kind <laughs> yeah. of nonsense. But that is what sells. That's what people want to focus on. They want to watch these, and they want to. It's like, and don't get me wrong. I'm the same way. I wish the Lord would come today. Mm -hmm. It's. I think everybody in here wants that. There's nothing here that I want so badly. Well, except maybe. Anyway, <laughs> there, there's nothing that I want so badly that I would say, Lord, I don't want you to come today. But I'm not so crazy as to think I'm going to be predicting because of this sign and this sign and this sign. I'm going to read all kinds of books by people like John Hagee that make stuff and actually plagiarize somebody else's idea. But don't get into that kind of stuff. 
stay away from that. Stick to this word, learn this word, and you will have a much better hope than you ever will reading crazy stuff about. Yes, sir. You read since you, they can hear you better than me, John 10. John 10 what? 28, 29. John 10, 28, and 29. Um, John 10, 28 says, um, And I shall give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand, except they have to do a lot of work in the process, and if they fail, I'm going to drop their salvation, right? I and, I and my Father are one. I and my Father are one. That's right. It doesn't say anything about works. It doesn't say anything about salvation. You come to Christ, he's got you. And like I said, his arms are fully wrapped around you. Um, okay, so you're cleansed from your old sins. It's done. Yes, there are those who have been saved, and they have forgotten that they were cleansed from their old sins. One cannot continue in doing good in the biblical sense if they have forgotten their salvation. It's impossible. So if you have to be saved, uh, have to do good in order to be saved and to keep your salvation, then the guy that Peter was spoke, speaking to isn't saved and Peter is lying. And this is just pull that verse out of the Bible and start pulling out other verses and just until you get down to where you want to be, where I'm going to work my way to heaven and I don't need to worry about Christ. Don't do it. All right. If doing, I'm going to read it again. One cannot continue in doing good in the biblical sense if they have forgotten their salvation. Not possible. Therefore, eternal life is granted exactly as the rest of the Bible proclaims, by grace, through faith. Abraham was declared righteous by simple faith prior to the sign of that righteousness. He was saved in uh, Genesis 15, verse 6. God declared him righteous. He says he believed God and God uh, uh, counted. counted it to him for righteousness. When was he circumcised, before or after? 17th chapter. 17th chapter of Genesis, many years later, like 20-some years later, okay? It's just a sign. It's a confirmation. He was saved, Genesis 15, 6. Um, anyway, um, let's see here. Yeah, circumcision. Uh, Jesus himself says that it is belief that saves. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life if he continues in good works to the end. It doesn't mess up, right? It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. It, it, people love to insert all kinds of theology into John 3.16. If you only read the King James Version, if you, uh, you know, only observe the Sabbath on Saturday, if you do this, and if you do this, everybody wants to insert something into John 3.16. For God so loved the for world. Control. Oh, for control. That's right. That is what it comes down to. It comes down to bondage. When somebody can stand in a pulpit and say to you, you need to do this and you need to do that, you have them in bondage. When John Hagee stood up in a sermon one day and he used Genesis where uh, five of the brothers were taken to appear before Pharaoh because they had special skills and maybe they could get a job with Pharaoh, he said, see, that proves that only some people that are Christians are going to be raptured. Mm. He's got his entire congregation in bondage to whatever he tells them after that. It is absolutely false. If you are saved and you've received the Holy Spirit, you're going. We talked about that in the Prophecy Update on Sunday. If he gave you the Holy Spirit as the sign of your belief, and then he takes the Holy Spirit out and doesn't take you, bad guarantee, right? Doctrine matters. That is what's important about our walk with Christ, is to grow in doctrine, and that is why these books are written. That's why Peter exhorted them, go from this state to this state to this state to this state, because doctrine matters, okay? Mom isn't here. I've, I've given her enough time. She's 30 minutes late. She said she would be here today, and uh, I saw her a while ago, and she said, I'm going to be there. So she's on my checklist right now.
Anyway, um, there goes uh, her there, yeah, yeah. She yeah. didn't go. She didn't go to Bible class three days a week, and so she can't be a good Christian. She's not. Yeah, that's another one. I've heard that. I've heard people say that if you don't go to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, you're not a good Christian. You're not living for the Lord, and they're implying that you're probably not saved. Can you imagine that? I don't know anywhere in the Bible where it says you have to go to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Thursday or Wednesday or any other day of the week. In fact, that's completely dismissed in Romans, what, 14.5? No, 